0: Amen. Please have a seat. And I'd like to introduce to you for the very first time here at our two E service. Uh, uh, to preach at our two E service is um, well. Uh, he grew up at our church here at KCPC. Uh, went through a lot of ups and downs in his life, and I know uh, quite a few of the stories that he has gone through. I've been part of his life as well. Him and his mom, uh, his mom and I, have been praying for him and trying to find a way to straighten this guy out who's about to come up soon. And uh, we thought it was hopeless, but only Jesus is their only hope. Amen? Yeah, it really was. And so yeah, we did a bunch of things. and uh, many people who love him had did a bunch of other things, but somehow some way, God made a way. And uh, He really committed his heart to uh, Jesus. Uh, Is going through seminary currently uh, went through the process through our denomination and finally he has become licensed um, uh, In preaching and the next very step would be to be ordained as a minister So he's come a long way to be here, but now that he's licensed. We said, okay I mean you're licensed to preach Uh, we've definitely had to give you this opportunity. May I introduce to you pastor David Kim Let's give him a big hand Happy Sunday church um
1: I want to begin by saying that um, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to today's text. Uh, First of all, we're gonna be referring to it pretty often, and so please have your Bibles open. And as you're turning there, I do want to um, say, Pastor uh, Daniel, thank you so much for that introduction. And I do want to introduce myself a little bit more. And um, maybe it's because I'm preaching for our high school ministry in a couple hours on 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about how he boasts about his weaknesses and if i could just uh say one or two things about me personally as i introduce myself to you guys here this morning i want to share that i am the biggest sinner that i know and it's only by god's grace that i stand before you not only as a preacher but also as a child of god and so i will be sharing a couple things that god has done upon my life in my life and through my life but In all of those things, if you guys can remember one thing about me, um, not that you need to remember anything, I hope that you guys can understand that God is faithful and he is leading us. And uh, as I was uh, thinking about what to preach here today, uh, some of you guys may have heard me preach on this multiple times because this is the first sermon that I do preach wherever I go for the first time. And there's a reason behind that. And before I share that, I do want to say that today's sermon is going to be a little bit more heavy and uh yeah i didn't really plan it that way but god has been orchestrating a couple events this past week for me to really head in this direction and um you know maybe after this you guys will not call me to preach here again and uh, that's okay and maybe that is also my hidden agenda um, for today but um, the thing that i've been thinking about for the past couple of days is the same thing that I've been thinking about for the past eight years of my life. What I've been thinking about is where do people go when they die? What happens if they die today? And do I really believe when Jesus says himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me? Um, I received a text message from one of my former students two nights ago, um, late at night, saying, Pastor David, my friend just passed away. Um, you know, when I think about Chadwick Bozeman, when I think about 2020, I think the one thing that we can really think about is death. And the one thing that has been driving me as I've been serving our youth ministry for the past 10 years of my life is I didn't see youth ministry as um, just a bunch of children where you need to correct and hunda them but I saw them as eternal souls that had an eternity waiting for them forever and ever and ever. And that's what's been driving me for the past eight years. And that's what I hope can drive us here today as we look at God's word. Um, As I uh, struggle with insomnia, sometimes I think about at night, what am I doing for the lost souls of this world? And I remember a specific night around four years ago, five years ago, when I, would, when I first understood the concept of eternity and that drove everything that I did, the Great Commission was what was pressed onto my heart. And it's something that's always been there for the past five years. Because in it, I see what we can do as a church and as individuals in order to reach this lost world. And so usually I come up with a title for sermons, but today I didn't think that was necessary. Um, Today's sermon is simply the title of the text, which is The Great Commission. And so with that in mind, before we enter into God's word, if you guys can join me in a word of prayer. Um, Father, we come before you here this Sunday acknowledging that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, And father i pray that you would help us to once again tremble at that truth yes tremble in fear but also tremble in joy when we're reminded that our status with you has only come because of what your son has done for us on the cross and so lord if anything is remembered here today i pray that it would be you and your glory that you would remind your sons and daughters here today that you absolutely love and adore them. And Father, I pray for any single person that is here joining us um, in person or online. God, if they are not following you as Lord and Savior, Lord, we pray that you would give them the gift of salvation here today. And we know that all these things, Lord, we can't do apart from you. And so Lord, I stand here insufficient but totally dependent on you. And so Lord, I believe when you say, that you have all authority and that you are with us always. And so I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, when I was living in New York, I wasn't allowed to play outside much. And uh, it's because my parents worked in the city and they thought it was dangerous for me to be outside. And so at home, I played a lot of uh, games and um, spent a lot of time with my sister, but uh, because I wasn't allowed to play outside and my obsession with dairy products, uh, cheese and ice cream, those are my uh, go-to's, I developed um, weight and I was kind of chubby as a kid. And if you search uh, online somewhere, you'll find pictures of me like that. But I remember growing up like that and thinking to myself, I don't want to be like this in the future. I want to get married, XYZ, and so I wanted Uh, myself to get jacked and so I went on a mission for me to lose weight for me to gain muscle and so what I did was a series of events I would wake up in the morning I would weigh myself um, just to track my progress I would eat protein powder and oatmeal mixed together for breakfast I would eat chicken chicken breast for lunch and dinner and I would surround myself with friends who would keep me accountable to go to the gym See, my mission in my life was to get jacked. And so everything that I did during the day would always result in that. When I went to sleep at night, I would think, did I accomplish what I wanted to accomplish here today? Um, What I failed to realize is that more than my mission to get jacked, God has given to me and to you not the elite christians not the most spiritual christians but anyone who follows christ he has given to every single one of us a specific goal a specific mission and what i want to do here today is just simply to look at the text and to explain what jesus is asking of every single one of his followers and so the first point for today's sermon is simply what is jesus calling us to do and you you find that in verse uh 18 where jesus says he has all authority uh in heaven and on earth and uh sorry it starts in verse 19. this is what jesus commands not just this his disciples but of you and me here uh, with our lives he says go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you I think it's clear through today's text that Jesus is calling every single one of us to make disciples, but what does that mean exactly? Um, as Jesus is telling his disciples to go into the world and to make disciples, it implies two different things. The first thing is this, just imagine it, you saw Jesus live his life and you've been following him, you saw him uh, get crucified, resurrected, and now he's giving you this mission and he's telling you to go into the world and to tell people about Jesus because they've never heard about him before. Simply put, what Jesus is telling his disciples to do is to evangelize. I think I've been in the church uh, for a long time and I've heard people say things like, you know, I, I don't really verbalize the gospel to other people, but I show them with my life. I have a smile on my face, I hold the door, I eat last, I clean whatever I can. I love people. No, despite how broken they are. And that are, that, uh, those are things that God is calling us to do. And those are things that aid us in evangelism. But those things in itself is not evangelism. What evangelism entails is the verbal proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. And every single one of us should be at a place where we can verbally share the gospel with people. You know, when I was uh, talking about how I was on a mission to get jacked and work out XYZ, I didn't know a lot about the fitness industry. And so what I did was I didn't have someone to teach me every single thing personally, but I went online, I looked at different resources, and I just was obsessed about Jesus, I know my friends, if they die today, they're, they're gonna be in hell forever and ever. And so I need to learn how to share the gospel. I need to learn how to share the good news. And so through different means, through the internet, through looking at different pastors and the way that they evangelize, going to seminary, XYZ, I did all these different things because I knew that my mission was to evangelize and that I didn't know really how to do it. And so I did some research. And you know, for the past eight years, even though I'm very insufficient, and like I shared in the beginning of the sermon, I am the biggest sinner that I know, God has used me to verbally share the gospel with a lot of people. And um, if I could just give an example of someone who messaged me three days ago, and so once again, in a short period of time, God was orchestrating all these events, but a, um, a student messaged me, um, or uh, she called me, at uh, 7 30 a.m and yeah i i woke up to it and i answered and she said to me you know pastor david i think i've accepted christ and this this brought tears to my eyes because if if you knew the student and the things that she's gone through the depression that she's felt the ways that she hurt herself And the fact that I realized that an eternal soul who was destined for hell is now going to be in heaven forever and ever worshiping God, that brought tears to my eyes. And it's because for the past couple of retreats that we went to together, instead of just focusing on, oh, how, how does she feel about me? Should I, uh, should, am I funny enough, X, Y, Z? Um, every chance I got to spend with her I would share the gospel with her. And she came to faith and that brought so much joy to me. Um, So I think it's clear in today's text that we are called to verbally share the gospel, but it doesn't end there. There's also a second part of this because Jesus isn't telling his disciples to go into the world and just simply make converts. What he is saying for his disciples is I want you guys to go into the world as my disciples and I want you to multiply. I don't want just converts, I want other people to be my disciples. Disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And you see that in verse 20. It says uh, not only to go into the world and to make disciples but to teach them to observe or to obey all that I have commanded you. And um, for the past uh, four years, I've had personal disciples that I've called my own. Uh, In the past four years, I think I've had 11 in total. Some have spent maybe three to six months with me, um, some over two years. And the reason behind that is because when I thought about how Jesus lived his life, and if you ask Jesus the question, hey, Jesus, who are your disciples? He always had an answer to that. He had specific names that he can name. And not just that too, if you look in the book of Acts, when you see right after Saul is converted, it says that Saul spent time with his disciples. And so for me, I I asked myself, who are my disciples? And so that's when I started making disciples. And not just that, my disciples have disciples. And so I have little college students going on, uh, running around right now who have disciples. I think uh, two of my disciples have five disciples each. One of my other disciples uh, has one disciple, but she just got in contact with the girl that I um, talked about in terms of when she just came to faith, and so they're discipling them. And that's what we're called to do. Every single disciple of Christ, multiplying, discipling the next generation, not just in terms of age, but in terms of spiritual walk, making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so what Jesus is calling us in the Great Commission is clear, to evangelize and to walk with people, to teach them on how to obey what Jesus has commanded. Um, But this last part about what I wanna share in the specific command that Jesus gives to us is something that changed the trajectory of my life when I learned about this two years ago It says, um, in this text, there are four, uh, in the original language, four alls. And I want to talk about the second all, which is this, in verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In the original uh, Greek, the word uh, nations is the word ethne. And that word, you can translate to uh, nations, But I would argue that the better translation of this word is ethnicities. Um, Because back in the day, around 50 years ago, or something like that, um, mission organizations like MTW and Lausanne Movement, they thought legit Jesus was coming back soon. And it wasn't because they had some crazy revelation, but they saw through the Bible that Jesus said he would come back when the gospel went forth into every single nation. And so as mission organizations that are really large, they saw the missionaries go into every single country and they said, okay, now the gospel has been accepted in all of the around 200 countries on the planet and so Jesus Jesus should be coming back soon, right? But what they realized was this, it's not simply geopolitical nations that Jesus is saying make disciples, but disciples of every single ethnicity every single people group and so what mission organizations like Lausanne movement and mtw what they did was they pulled back their missionaries from reached countries like uh, america and europe and they started focusing their attention to the unreached people groups and the majority of the unreached today is in something called the 1040 window Uh, buddhist countries like thailand and japan Uh, Hindu countries like India and Bangladesh. Bangladesh is the largest unreached people group in the world. Um, uh, The Muslim countries in the Middle East and North Africa. Over around three billion people on this planet today have never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Three billion people and 95% of them live in unreached people groups, where people will be born, live 60 to 80 years, and die, and never hear the gospel even once, and plunge into hell forever and ever and ever. And what Jesus is saying is to go to those nations, the nations that have never heard about me, that have never heard about my glory, and I want you to share with them the greatest news in the world, that I am King and Lord of all. And so as individuals and as a church, that is what we're called to do, to multiply and I know some of you guys may have heard me preach on this before, and you might just be glazed over, like, oh, I know his points. I've heard it literally maybe 20 times. But what I want us to uh, be prevented of here today is as we compare, not our lives with other Christians, but as we compare our life to Scripture, are we actually obeying the Great Commission Am I regularly committed to share the gospel with non-believers? Am I discipling those that are coming after me, teaching them to not just, hey, this is what Jesus says, but teaching them to obey all that Jesus commands? One of my disciples messaged me this past Monday and they said, Pastor David, I'm going to share the gospel with a Muslim can you pray for me? And I prayed for them. They also said later on during the week, I'm going to meet with my professor who is Japanese, second largest unreached people group in the world, and share the gospel with her. And I was, and I am praying for them. Simply put, Before I discipled people, before I taught the next generation on how to evangelize, how to disciple, I had to make sure that I myself was living it out, that I was committed to the unreached of not just the world, but also in my own home. Um, my, My dad is not a believer, and I've been praying for him for eight years And I've shared the gospel to him multiple times. I've cried so many nights thinking about where he's gonna go forever and ever. And even this past week, this past Monday, um, we had a conversation. And even though I've shared the gospel with him before, I've shared my testimony and all the bad things, kind of like what Pastor Daniel was sharing. I've shared all that with him and to share the gospel with him. But this past Monday, I was revealing to him what a naturalistic worldview believes. They don't believe in objective moral truths. Uh, In Korean, it was like or something like that. And I wasn't able to really do it well because it was in Korean and maybe that had something to do with it. But as I was uh, trying to share his worldview and also ultimately share my worldview with him, he just started laughing at me and he said, how do you believe in such crazy things? And he rejected me and um, that, I wanna segue into our our second point for today, which is, what is the power to make disciples of all nations? Where where do we get the power from? And I I think you see it in uh, verse 18, when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What Jesus is saying is this, I am Lord of lords. I am king of kings, I'm recalling the praise song that we sang here this morning. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. Um, If you look throughout the book of Matthew, you see that the scribes were uh, surprised by the fact that Jesus was teaching as one who had authority. You see him uh, doing miracles and uh, bringing the dead to life. You see him uh, walking on water, casting away the storm. Jesus having authority over nature, over uh, sickness, over death, and another part where he says, I have authority to forgive man's sin on earth. Simply put, Jesus has all authority, and there's no place in this planet, in this universe, in all the billions of galaxies where Jesus is not Lord and where Jesus is not King, And the question becomes, how does that apply to me? And uh, one of the things that I enjoy, uh, one of my hobbies is to watch basketball. And I love listening to debates on who is the greatest of all time. And people will have their opinions. Uh, The older people will say Michael Jordan, Will Chamberlain, people like that. And people of my generation will say, maybe, uh, uh, not Kevin Durant, not yet, but uh, LeBron James and XYZ. And there's this uh, debate that goes on of who is the best who is the king of basketball. But I want to give this example, just uh, entertain this uh, thought or this hypothetical situation with me really quickly. But if I said that we were hosting a basketball tournament here at KCPC and all the best basketball players of Northern Virginia were gonna be making teams and playing in these games, and what if Jesus came to you and said, hey, uh, whether you've played basketball before, whether you've uh, never played before, I want you to participate in this tournament and not just to participate, but I want you to win the whole thing. And for some of you, uh, you might be overconfident about your skills and be like, Oh, that's not that big of a deal. But for uh, people like me who aren't that good, we'll say that what you're telling me to do is crazy. That's impossible. But what if I, what if Jesus gave you this promise? As soon as you step onto the court, the greatest of all time basketball players will be on your team. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, uh, who am I missing? LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal, they'll all join your team as soon as you step on the court. And what that does is it, it, it went from, oh, I don't know if I could do this to, oh yeah, I could do this. I can, I can win this tournament. I can play with these people and win. And the confidence didn't go from yourself into a greater confidence in yourself, but it went from you seeing how weak you were into I see how strong the presence of other people are with me. And in the very same way, what Jesus is saying in, um, in terms of giving us power for the Great Commission is I have all authority in heaven and on earth. There is no place where I am not king. Every person, whether they follow me or not, they will bow the knee eventually. But sandwiched uh, at the very end, this is what Jesus says. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so essentially this is what Jesus is saying. I have all authority and I am with you always. You know, before I came up here, I I felt like I needed to throw up. Um, I haven't been nervous to preach in a while, um, but just having to preach for the uh, ministry that I have been a part of for so long, it, it, it did something to me. But the thing that i always tell myself before i do anything for god is this lord i'm scared right now but you said you have all authority and you are with me always and so simply i obey you and i do the things that you want me to do the disciples that i've made the people that i've evangelized to the people that have come to faith it was never about me it was never about my ability but it was about who was with me and the authority that he had. And with the analogy that I shared, you might think, oh, so does that mean every place that I go, when I share the gospel, they will come to faith, and that's not it either. Because when you see how the apostles lived their life, and uh, I just told you my dad laughed at me when I was trying to destroy his worldview and share the gospel with him, it doesn't mean that every single person is gonna come to faith but what I'm confident and sure of is this. God is working through my insufficient lips, and so I simply obey him because of his promise to me. Lastly, with the remaining time that I have, um, I wanna share the last point. So we saw so far, what is our mission? Make disciples of all nations, evangelizing uh, to disciple them and to go into the unreached second we saw the power behind it which is jesus having all authority and him saying i am with you always but lastly this last point is something that i want to i wish i had more time to really uh, hit home on this but what is our motivation behind why we're doing what we're doing what is the motivation behind what, me fulfilling the great commission why should i want to do this and you see this in verse 18 in the beginning five words And Jesus came and said, oh, sorry, seven. And Jesus came and said to them. I want to focus on the to them part really quickly. Who is Jesus talking to? He's talking to the 11 disciples. And when you think of the 11 disciples, you might think about all the things that they've done, all the things that they accomplished, the ways that they died for Jesus, the way that they were missionaries for Christ, but at this juncture, what have they accomplished? They lived with Jesus as he lived his life on earth. And when Jesus needed them the most, they all abandoned him. Peter who said, I will never ever forsake you. They, they might forsake you, but Lord, I will never forsake you. And what does he do? He denies Jesus three times. It's to broken people that Jesus comes to. Like I started my sermon with, I, I, I don't just say I'm the biggest sinner I know just as a ploy. I know inside of my heart the sin that remains. I know even after walking with Christ for so many years, I still struggle with sin where I say, wretched man that I am, Who can save this body from the life of sin? Some of you guys might disqualify yourself from saying God is not calling me. He can't be calling me to the Great Commission. Do you know what sins I struggle with? Do you know how weak I am? Jesus goes to utter failures who have reached rock bottom and he says to them, go. But the most important part I want to highlight in our motivation behind why we want to um, make disciples comes from the first three words of verse 18, which says, and Jesus came. I don't know if that blows your mind, but you have to understand the context of what's going on right now. Where was Jesus a chapter ago before the Great Commission. He was nailed to the cross. He was in the tomb for three days, and he came back to life. See, the motivation behind why we want to make disciples of all nations is this, to utter broken failures who could never obey the commands of God. He comes to us and he says to do these things, And a question I want to ask is this. Do you think the disciples made disciples of all nations so that Jesus would love them? Or did the disciples make disciples of all nations because Jesus loved them? Jesus went to these broken people who were ashamed of what they had done. And what he showed them was his hands and his feet. Do you think the disciples doubted, does Jesus really love me? Do you think they doubted, man, isn't my salvation dependent on me? Do you think they said these thoughts? And I just want to proclaim to every single person in this room and who's online right now that no, Jesus' love for you does not depend on you. It doesn't depend on how many disciples that you make. It doesn't depend on how well you obey Jesus. He comes to us in our brokenness and our failures. He shows us his hands, his feet, the wounds in his side, and he says, I love you. I love you. You couldn't do anything for me. And that was the point for me to show you That my love for you will never depend on you. It will never depend on the things that you do. But I love you because I love you. And for those of you who are not believers, I want to plead to you here today. Please place your faith in Christ. Christianity is not about the things that you can accomplish for Jesus. Yes, he calls us to do things like the Great Commission, but all of that is a result of what he's done for us on the cross. We're living in a time where literally you're one mistake away in the grocery store to get a disease and to die and to meet your maker. And I'm not telling you... uh, This sermon was very application-heavy in the beginning. You must make disciples. You must do these different things. But what I want to share is this. You don't make disciples so that Jesus loves you, but you make disciples because he loves you. And you want this world, you want this dying and broken world who is full of people like you and me who disobeyed God to know the greatest truth in the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is what I plead with you, non-believer, here today. Please place your faith in Christ. He loves you, and the cross is the proof. It's not about how well you can live your life. It's not about the emotions that you feel right now. You might be going through a dark and heavy season, and whenever I went through seasons like that, I would question, does God really love me? But you can have your confidence in the fact that Jesus loves you, not because of your emotions, your feelings, the obedience that you do, but because you look 2,000 years back into history and you see someone broken, bloodied, who hung on a tree for you and me. And not only that, he died the death that you and I deserve to live. But death couldn't hold him down. On the third day, he did indeed raise from the dead and he ascended into heaven, and he has applied the finished work of Christ into everyone who believes. And so with that in mind, as our motivation, what Jesus is calling you and me to do as a church and as individuals is to go out and to share and to proclaim, to walk with and to teach, and to love this broken world especially in the places that are currently not reached by the power of Jesus's blood, by the power of Jesus's love for you and me. And um, I just wanna take this time to, uh, just to pray. Um, if you would join me wherever you are by bowing your heads and closing your eyes. And I want us to pray over two things. First, really reflect and think about what has been the motivation and the goal behind why you've been obeying Jesus. Is it coming from this desire to earn Jesus' favor? Or has it been from the fact that you know that nothing you can do, say, or think will ever separate you from the love of Christ, Romans 8? And if you have been running on the fact that I need to do these things in order for Jesus to be pleased with me. And you've been running off the wrong fuel and it won't get you any far. But I want us to shift our gaze and our attention back onto the fact that Jesus died for you and me. Let's ask God, God, can you make that the fuel behind why I want to obey you in the Great Commission, in the different things that you call me to do through your word? And secondly, after we're praying that, if we could just pray this. God, there are non-believers in my life right now that need desperately to hear the gospel. I have neighbors, I have family members who if they died today, they would spend an eternity apart from Christ. God, can you help me to live like that is true? Help me not to play these different games, Lord, but use my life for the spreading of the gospel, Lord. From wherever I am, to the city that I'm I'm in, to the state, to the country that I'm in, and also to the ends of the earth. And if you're not not a believer today, once again, I want you to pray simply in your own words. You don't have to make it sound grand or magnificent. God, can you help me to believe in you? God, can you save me? I see how broken that I am, and I know that I can't obey you in order to receive my salvation like all the religions of the world say. But God, can you simply save me and help me to know that you love me and that you've adopted me? So with those things in mind, if we could just spend this moment in prayer.